Congressman Dan Crenshaw's life has taken him from Houston to Venezuela as a kid, to the Middle East and Afghanistan as a Navy SEAL, and to Saturday Night Live in Washington, D.C. as a congressman representing the Texas 2nd Congressional District. There's, there's a lot more friendly relationships in Congress than I, than I think people realize. Uh, you know, we probably should do a better job of letting the American people know that. We talk about the importance of Central America in U.S. policy and its transition from military to civilian life. I'm Andrew Kaufman, and this is The Strategist, presented by the George W. Bush Institute. What happens when you cross the 43rd president, late-night sketch comedy, and compelling conversation? The Strategist, a podcast born from the word strategery, which was coined by SNL and embraced by the George W. Bush administration. We highlight the American spirit of leadership and compassion through thought-provoking conversations. And we're reminded that the most effective leaders are the ones who laugh. Well, thanks so much to Congressman Dan Crenshaw for joining us today on The Strategist. Congressman, we appreciate you taking a few minutes here. Yeah, absolutely. Great to be with you. And our co-host today is the great Laura Collins, who is the director at the Bush Institute SMU Economic Growth Initiative. Laura, thanks for hanging out again. Thanks for calling me great. It must be all the cookies I bribed y'all with. <laughs> I'm easily bribed. Yes. So, Congressman, you represent the great state of Texas where, where you grew up, but your, your background isn't strictly restricted to Texas. You're pretty uniquely global. Could you tell us a bit about the path that you took to where you are today? Wow. Well, yeah, going back <laughs> it's a in winding time, road. Quite, quite, a, quite a few years. Uh, so I'm from Houston. Uh, my dad was a petroleum engineer. He, uh, he jumped around between a lot of different, working for a lot of different companies over his career. And, um, you know, as a result, we, we moved around a lot. So my life was going between Houston and overseas and back to Houston, back overseas. And, um, you know, somewhere along the lines, I, I wanted to join the military, uh, specifically the SEAL teams. I actually didn't want to join the military. I wanted to be a SEAL. Specifically. Very specifically, right. Uh, yeah, and so that's what I did. And, um, you know, did a, a few deployments. Got a little nicked up uh, on my third deployment, mm-hmm. and that kind of set me on the path that I'm on now because it eventually resulted in me having to get out of the military. I fought that pretty hard for a few years and uh, did a couple more deployments and uh, intel operations role, but uh, eventually had to leave. And some of that time, and before you got to the military too, was was some overseas living with you. Said your father worked in the oil industry and was and lived overseas at time, and he spent some time in Central America, correct? Yeah, uh, South America. Yeah, so uh, I lived in Ecuador a little bit in middle school, and then actually my entire high school was spent in Bogota, Colombia. Do you think that your childhood uh, influences your public policy in any way? Because you were exposed to so many different cultures as a as a as a young kid, and and a lot of a lot of different experiences than your typical politician. Yeah, I think it does. I mean, it's um, so as a as a younger kid, what I'm exposed to is kind of a need to defend the United States, uh, like a, a need to defend your patriotism. Yeah. You know, I, I, America is is sort of the punching bag around the world because it's it's the big the big guy in the room, right? They're the uh, you know it's 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 always been that way, and it's so it's just commonplace for everybody to. To, to take swipes at it. And, you know, sometimes in a, you know, well-intentioned, I won't say well-intentioned, but you know, not, not in a malevolent way. It's just, it's just is what it is. And it's just not something you're used to um, at a young age, usually, unless you grew up overseas like I did. So that's maybe the first thing I had to start thinking about patriotism early on in life. Um, because it wasn't default, you know? Right. And so, and, uh, and other than that though, it just gives you perspective. 
perspective on how good we have it in a lot of ways. Absolutely. And uh, what we should be grateful for. And uh, in perspective on other countries, you know, like a deeper understanding and, um, and, uh, and, uh, you know, appreciation for, for other cultures as well. Uh, you know, my, my, uh, my, my parents actually, after I lived in Colombia, my parents moved to Venezuela. I was already in college by this point. So I know Venezuela some pretty well. Uh, I knew it as it was prospering and then as it devolved into terrible socialist policies. And so I, I know pretty well, like what we should be grateful for. Yeah, totally. Do you think, you know, we're in kind of a time where there is a bit of an isolationist streak, but uh, so far in your short political career, you haven't had uh, that perspective. You've been a little bit more, um, more of a proponent of being involved um, abroad, particularly in Central America. You have co-sponsored some legislation um, about the Northern Triangle. Uh, you've visited with our Central America Prosperity Project participants, which uh, we really appreciate. And uh, you've uh, talked to us a little bit about the this digital strategy that we proposed for Central America. Uh, how do you, um, can you just tell us a little bit about what that means to you and why you think it's important? Yeah, well, we have to empower our neighbors and uh, we have to give them the same lessons that America has learned over the last few hundred years. Unfortunately, we're, I think we're forgetting it in many ways. But, but well, here's what we've learned. We learned that when you empower the individual to, to live free and protect their personal property rights and their freedoms, then you have the best chance for human prosperity. That's a really simple lesson that America has learned, that America has been the leader of for a very long time. Uh, we're questioning that ourselves lately, uh, you know, as we're flirting with socialism and things like that. Uh, but as we question it, we, we should also uh, uh, empower others. And I, uh, so it was, it was cool to meet with you guys, uh, with your team on this, and, and, and hear about the digital infrastructure ideas, because what I got from that was exactly the right American lesson, which is you empower people to, to live and thrive in the gig economy. And, uh, you know, and, and the best way to help people come out of poverty is to empower them. And uh, I, I just thought that was a really cool conversation that we had, you know, talking about what they presented, which was like, listen, these people want to work, right? But they can't, they can't set up an Uber account. They, they can't set up online banking. They can't set up, uh, you know, they, they can't rent their house out in Airbnb. I mean, just some basic stuff. Um, you know, like, why don't we help with that digital infrastructure and allow them to thrive? You know, I mean, again, these are our neighbors. We do have to, we do have to look at ways to, and smart ways to help development in these countries. And it's, it's not just throwing money away at corrupt governments. Now, let's actually look at some more creative ways to, to do that. Well, and it's deeper than that. You mentioned the corrupt governments. And there are some things that we completely take for granted here because we do have transparent government, uh, not perfect, but transparent. We do have um, a situation where we have the rule of law and we have uh, protection of property rights. And these are things that I don't think a lot of Americans understand fundamentally don't exist, particularly in these Northern Triangle countries, in a way that makes every bit of existence difficult. There's lack of economic opportunity. Um, if you want to set up a business and pay your taxes, you might get shook down by a government official in addition to street gangs. Um, you, you know, Tax rates end up being higher than they need to be because there are so few people actually paying them. And there's just a lot of things there that add up to make it an untenable situation. It's very hard as an ordinary person to, to make it in any sort of way and have, and they lack that fundamental freedom that we have. Yeah, exactly. And yeah, goes back to, we should really be more grateful for the United States of America. Uh, and uh, I think we, we used to be as a country and we're slowly forgetting that. And uh, it's, it's apparent as we all commemorate 9-11 
And, you know, there's been a lot of talk. We remember how we all came together as Americans back then, and we just loved our country, and everybody threw American, flew American flags everywhere. Yep. And, um, you know, we definitely don't want another 9-11 to bring us back there, but I, why, we shouldn't need one, right? It should just be the default. You know, we have our differences, but there are certain things that we appreciate about about our country. And uh, th- those things are embodied in our symbols, the flag, the pledge, the national anthem. And, uh, and, and, and that's being chipped away at. You know, I, I see that in sort of the, the broader culture wars, and that worries me uh, a, a great deal. And uh, we should show some gratitude for what we've got. Right. I think there's, there's, a great, there's a great middle ground of we can say America is great and we love America, and we can simultaneously say America has things that we can, that we can do better at. And, we're, and we as, as citizens and as legislators, we're all going to work make, to make this great country even greater. And we, I think that's where we all agree, and we're, we've got to find the right path to get there. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I agree with that. And with, the problem is, oftentimes, it's when people throw the baby out with the bathwater, you know, and I think that's uh, maybe that's what makes me a conservative, right? Like, I, I look back in time, and I look at what works and what doesn't, except that we've, we've screwed up some things, and except that we've sinned, but that doesn't change the underlying principles that, that make our, our country successful and, you know, and, and uh, you know, a revolution to speak the talk of revolution and resistance it's it's, it's romantic right and it's, it's appealing to, to to people especially younger people a lot uh and i would encourage all of us to 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 to, to, to fight back against that you know to, to ask why things are good and uh and not throw the baby out with the bathwater when we look at you know, radical new policies. Yeah. You know, um, it's funny. You can be, you mentioned you're conservative, but you're not just a conservative because, um, you are a millennial, like so many of us who are coming up now and being more politically involved. Um, we had a, I don't know if you're a regular listener of the strategist, but we had a really interesting conversation about uh, millennials and, and I'm a millennial and, um, and a lot of our staff is and, and what that means for us in terms of the public square and, and how we lead our generation forward. And, and so I actually see a lot of divisiveness on social media and not a lot in my actual neighborhood and amongst my friends and family, even though we may have differing political opinions. Talk to me a little bit about, you know, there is this perception that Congress is very divided. Congress doesn't get a lot done um, and it's bogged down, but Surely you have relationships across the aisle. Surely you are working with um, people of all stripes in Congress. And what are those relationships like behind closed doors? Yeah, it, there's there's a lot more friendly relationships in Congress than I than I think people realize. Uh, you know, we probably should do a better job of letting the American people know that. Um, it would be helpful if the media would report on bills that are bipartisan that get passed every single week. Uh, but but they don't. You know, they'll just report on <laughs> whatever sensationalized thing happened that day. Uh, well, and and it, sort of, so it gives people the wrong gives people the wrong impression about the good things that are happening, and um, and and the and the good work that does get done. Now they're not, you know we're not solving the big problems necessarily, but but almost every well at least every week there's there's lots of bipartisan bills that get passed, you know, and so I wish people would see that more. We we would be remiss uh, earlier today. You spoke to our. T- to our uh, veteran leadership program scholars, there are stand two scholars. Um, and we'd be remiss. If we didn't talk to you a little bit about um, one, in the little time we've got left about um, some veteran stuff. And, you know, you're, we felt, we love talking about veterans and how they, and how we as a society can help them transition from the military. Um, and I think you're a great example of someone that's gone on to remarkable things once leaving the military. So how can we, how can we as a society help 
people, help these servicemen and women continue their remarkable careers when they leave? Yeah, it, it's definitely not an easy problem to solve. I, I won't pretend that my transition was just uh, you know sunshine and rainbows and easy. Like it was, sure. it, was, it was, it was. You kind of find yourself in a really bad place, and um, there's. I didn't have any regrets because I, I never. I knew I didn't want to leave the military. I fought very hard not to leave the military. Uh, I eventually lost that battle. Uh, the Navy realized I had one eye, and they were like, "Wait a second. <laughs> yeah, they, they they didn't think I could deploy anymore. So anyway, but the point is, I lost that battle. I think. Um, and I, I'd recommend to a lot of veterans or, or service members, I'd say, like, you know, I, I get that you might be sick of the military, but, but don't get out until something is really pulling you out. Like, have a plan. Um, you know, that that's important. And, and so and so, how do we help them get that plan, I think, is, is, the, is the question. There's so many companies out there with, like, veteran hiring services. There's so many nonprofits that try to work on that transition. Um I think getting more efficient with those many, many organizations is important. How we do that is it will be a work in progress and how we connect them with veterans uh, uh, in a longer period before they actually get out, right. I think is, is the key there. Um, uh, I, I, I don't really believe in, in more government programs on this just because we're just always bad at what we do. And there's already so much, resources out there. Um, we just have to organize those resources better and, and then let those resources stay outside of government. That's how they be. I'm, by resources, I mean these nonprofits, you know, um, there's so many of them and um, in these VSOs, like let's let them stay out of the, of the government system because that's how they remain dynamic and, uh, and efficient. And uh, some of them are very successful. And so just making sure that that connection happens, I think, is, is, is the right approach. Yeah, and I think that's just a big part of what we're, we're trying to do with Stan, too, is, is, is make sure that the, the folks that are in these organizations that are helping veterans, like, how can we make sure that they are, there's a lot of people that want to help veterans. Like, how do we, how do we mobilize all those people um, to, to make sure that we're maximizing the, the desire that everybody has to help veterans? Like, how, can, how, how do we do that? And you know, that's, that's the goal of that program. And we're, we're excited to do it, to help people from every sector that want to help veterans. And we want to make sure they do that. You know, you've, you've started doing a lot of interviews. You're on Joe Rogan, you know, who knows what, what other, what other wonderful podcasts. Podcast a lot. We exactly. did our, we did our <laughs> we did a little homework. We, yeah. I can't remember any of the other titles though. Cause ours is the only one that matters. But, uh, what has no one asked you that you wish they would? Hmm. Yeah. That nobody's ever asked me is, uh, what my favorite glass eye to wear is. Nope. I don't wish that they asked me, but I just, just that's the first thing that came well, to mind. Well, let's hear it. Let's hear it. Um, yeah, what's your favorite one? And I why? Have a lot. And I have why? Like, I have like 12. Is it like a sock um, drawer? Like we, you have rows of different ones? Yeah. Yeah. Some, uh, yeah. You know, whatever your imagination runs with, like uh, that, that's how they look. It is, it is kind of like a, it's like a secret drawer and you pull them out. They're like, there's like a velvet backing to them all and they just pick one out, wow. pop it in. Um, so I, I guess uh, my favorite one is still my trident eyes. So I have the steel trident and oh, cool. embedded in, in like a few different eyes. Actually, I have a blue one, a darker shade of blue, a black one. Uh, those are probably still my favorite. The Captain America ones definitely cool. up there. And I actually just got a brand new one, uh, which is the Gonzalez battle flag. From oh, Texas. very Texan. Yes. Yeah, the, the come and take it cannon. Yeah. yeah. So. That one, that one's pretty cool. Should we throw him the other question? Oh, sorry, continue. Yeah. <laughs> well, no. One of our uh, we so we've I've had I've been lucky enough to get to interact with a lot of our team forty three guys, and those are the the guys that have been injured injured uh, in their service, and 
are either playing golf in our in our Warrior Open golf tournament or playing or riding mountain bikes with President Bush in our W100. And I remember I, uh, this gentleman had this amazing um, American flag glass eye that was just absolutely beautiful. And like you'd look, you'd be having conversation with him and looking at this flag and in his eye, and it's, it's it was it was really great. But and it symbolizes what so many of these guys said, which was the same as yours. They they were injured. They were injured, and it wasn't about how well. How do I get home? It was about how do I get back to battle. Um, and it, your, the way you described it is what every one of these guys I've ever talked to says too. Is that it was it was all about just how do I get back to my comrades? And um, you know, it, it didn't it didn't matter what the injury was. They they all had the kind of that same mindset, which is so it's it's amazing to watch. I appreciate that. Yeah, it's it's great to be from a group of of, of people like that. I also have an American flag guy. One of my other favorites. <laughs> Okay. It's a great <laughs> one. Got a big collection. Well, Congressman, thank you so much again for doing this. Really appreciate uh, getting to bounce some ideas back and forth, and we look forward to uh, to following you. Oh, thank you. Thanks for having awesome. me. Awesome. Thanks again. Learn more about the Bush Institute's Central America Prosperity Project at bushcenter.org slash Central America. And learn how the Bush Institute is developing the skills of those who serve our nation's veterans at bushcenter.org slash stand to VLP. If you enjoyed today's episode and would like to help us spread the word about The Strategist, please give us a five-star review and tell your friends to subscribe. We're available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and all the major listening apps. If you're tuning in on a smartphone, tap or swipe over the cover art. You'll find episode notes with helpful information and details you may have missed. The Strategist was produced by Ioana Pappas at the George W. Bush Institute in Dallas, Texas. Thank you for listening.